Welcome to Today on Broadway for Friday, September 1st, 2023. I'm Broadway Radio's Matt Tamanini. And I'm Tell Me on a Sunday podcast, Grace Aki. For many people, this is the start of fall, autumn, and then maybe a little early spooky season. For me, it is the beginning of college football season. But nonetheless, we are in September, still technically summer to like the 20th, I think. But for a lot of people, this weekend will mark the end of summer, beginning of fall. So whatever your plans are for this holiday weekend, for Labor Day, we hope that you are not working and you are relaxing and you have a great time with friends, family, loved ones watching something that you love, whether that is college football, whether that is theater. Maybe it's one of the shows that is closing on Broadway, Funny Girl, or Once Upon a One More Time. Grace, do you have any big plans for the holiday weekend? No, I hope I do nothing. Yes, that is what you should have on Labor Day. You've been working your fingers <laughs> to us. the bone. Uh, yeah, yeah, that too. You took us off. Um, but yeah, so I hope that you get some rest. I will be sitting in front of my three TVs in my living room watching football all weekend. I am very excited about that. But coming up on Monday, I have an interview coming up uh, in the feed about the new show Dracula, A Comedy of Terrors. That'll begin performances on September 4th, which is Monday, Labor Day. At New World Stages, I am. I talked with the co-writers, Gordon Greenberg and Steve Rosen, who I've interviewed before. He was part of the team behind the other Josh Cohen. Greenberg also uh, directs the show. This one has a great cast. Arnie Burton, Andrew Keenan Bolger, Ellen Harvey, Jordan Boatman. Really fun kind of new age look at the story of Dracula. So we had a great conversation. That'll be in the podcast feeds. But I will also have a little bit of an episode where we go through what we are going to be announcing for our Patreon, for some new content coming to the regular feed, as well as to the Patreon. So some really cool stuff. So listen to that on Labor Day. I'm actually going to record it before Labor Day, so I don't actually have to do the work on Labor Day. Um, But pay attention to both podcast feeds. You will hear all of that over the weekend. All right, Grace, let's get into the news. And unfortunately, we have to start with some uh, from some sad news in one respect, but some exciting news in the other. On their Instagram, Jay Harrison G announced that they would be out of Some Like It Hot for at least the next six weeks. They are going to have some sort of surgery to address some issues that have arisen. That's a quote. Didn't go into any other details than that. We don't need to know what they are if they don't want to tell us what they are. But Jay did say, quote, I am so at peace and grateful for this moment of restoration, of healing to come. And I hope that you will continue to support the incredible cast of Some Like It Hot at the Schubert Theater and... Go see the incredible Demarius Copes, who will be taking over the role while I am out. Demarius Copes, you might know from either the Hamilton tour or one of the stalwarts of the ensemble of Mean Girls on Broadway. Uh, He is fantastic, so that you should not have any problem heading over to Some Like It Hot and seeing Demarius in that role. But always sad. You know, these things happen. Obviously, we don't know what the issue is for G. I would not be surprised with all of the dancing going on that the body just needs a break sometimes, whatever that might be. So um, wish them the best. And, you know, not just for Labor Day weekend, but just the entire six weeks of of rest and uh, recuperation that many people on Broadway probably need, but very rarely have the opportunity to get grace. Yeah, I mean, I I am obviously like, you know, we, we got it's an industry and it's work and it's a job, but I'm also very much like with the amount of outs and the amount of body strain, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm not trying to speak for any one actor or anything, but um, including the, the, the crew, like they're, they're working so hard mm-hmm. on multiple shows, especially on holiday weekends and all that stuff. I'm a fierce advocate for, for the shorter week 
to have like a six show week just to, to give people more of a body break because in those two hours, it's a lot. It's totally a lot. So um, yeah, I'm hoping them a, a, a speedy, healthy recovery. I hope that it's a good time for them to relax, especially ahead of a holiday season. So I don't think that we're going to see a six show week anytime soon, just because the economics of Broadway are already pretty fraught. But would you be in favor of doing a five day week if it was still eight performances? No, no, less no? performances. <laughs> That's what's killing everybody. It's it's the amount of performances. I would say like six performances versus the seven, eight, um, even. So that's, yeah, I just I think that's going to be a tough sell. Like I just don't know oh, that no, any. It's, not, yeah. it's never going to happen. I'm just saying. Like um, I think that that is that is one of the biggest. Uh, that's the consistency that I'm seeing across the board. You know, it's not even just like COVID callouts. It's just like sickness. Why? Because of lack of rest. Oh, why is that? Oh, there's a million activities and junkets and and you know what I mean. Like I, I we see it all the time. You'll see like some outdoor event and then you'll see which is totally necessary and it's awesome, you know, for, for the word to continue to spread. I mean, awareness is so key for any campaign, but yeah, it's just wearing on people. And these people are breaking down much earlier in their careers than they should have to. I mean, these people, you know, I'm seeing, uh, you know, leg and ligaments and all these things at like 24, you know, ages. Uh, so it's, it's just challenging, but yeah, I definitely, when I mean shorter, I would love for less performances, but it's a pipe dream. Yeah, definitely a pipe dream. I think maybe we could get to a seven performance week over five days and have two days, two consecutive days off. Like, I think that's a that's a legitimate possibility. We are seeing shows with big stars do that. So I think there is a way to make that happen. I just I think getting to six would take a complete overhaul of the financial systems that make Broadway run. But probably ideal, probably the best way to go about it if that's actually possible. But I, I don't know that it is. But Grace, anything could be possible if you had a certain vial filled with a certain magical elixir and maybe a certain show about such a, a vial of elixir is getting ready to announce something about an out of town tryout. We knew about a musical adaptation of the iconic film Death Becomes Her. There was a private reading in April that starred Megan Hilty and Jen Samard, Chris Sieber, Nicole Scherzinger and Kevin Smith Kirkwood. Well, over, I guess it was on Thursday morning, Thursday afternoon, the social media account that has already been up and running for Death Becomes Her shared a little video, a little teaser video thing. And then Broadway in Chicago shared it and said, oh, we'll be first in line for some of that, meaning the vial and the elixir and all of that stuff. So not only did they comment, they also shared it. So I imagine we'll get some sort of announcement about Death Becomes Her having its out-of-town tryout in Chicago sometime over the next year, I guess. I You know, these things can often get announced way ahead of time, but maybe in the spring, maybe next summer, I think is probably the most likely. I don't know who will be in this cast. Obviously, Jen Samard is now uh, available now that Once Upon a One More Time is, is ending. Nicole Scherzinger doing Sunset in London right now, but she'll be finished by by the beginning of next year. No idea if any of those people are going to be attached, but that is a really great cast for that reading. We'll see what happens. Uh, I'm excited about this one. Anytime Megan Hilty's name is attached to anything, I get excited about it. 
in my fantasy world, I felt like this was the new Jane Krakowski vehicle. Um, I like felt very strongly about it yeah. in the Meryl role, actually in either role, fantastically. Yeah, I think um, she's probably more of a Goldie, isn't she? I don't know. They're, they're both hilariously yes. talented and like, you know, they're just totally different personalities. Um, but I think that Jen would be playing the Goldie role. So that's why I went for the other. Um, mm, but fair. yeah. Listen, I've heard the music like I, literally a snippet, by the way, not like <laughs> not not a time of it. But I'm such a, a fan of those composers um, and they're they're lovely people and friends. And uh, I think that this could be really great. And I'm I'm just really, really excited about it. I know that we all have like a bit of a sigh and a groan and an eye roll over movie musicals right now. Just as a community, people feel like it's not original, but you know what? Some of the best stuff has been adaptation uh, that we've seen. And to be fair, like to and to be honest, like consumers are really tight with their dollar right now and they want to see things that they have at least some familiarity with. They are not in a place always to, you know, spend their dollar on a new work or an original piece because they don't know if it's going to be good and they don't have the budget to figure it out sometimes. So I think that we need all of it. And I'm I'm just excited because I like funny. I like funny, smart shit. Yeah. And I feel like this is going to be that. Here's hoping. Yeah. The book is by Marco Panetti. Music and lyrics are by Julia Madison and Noel Carey and directed and choreographed by Christopher Vitelli. Like, I hear you on people being tired of movie to musical adaptations. I am not. Like, I don't, I, I just don't have I know a you're not, Matt. Where the, <laughs> like, that's been of it. But what I mean, though, is like, I just feel like death becomes her even if you don't like those things i feel like this is just makes so much sense this feels one because the show's a, a the, the movie's a little older but even just the style and the grandeur and the scope and the stars of that original one like the original movie it feels like a throwback already so this feels like an adaptation from a previous era where this feels logical to me like this feels like a perfect movie to adapt into a musical comedy especially when you have writers who are so adept at musical comedy both as writers and performers yeah if you're ever familiar uh, unfamiliar with noel and um julia's work julia had incredible and probably still does do her um one woman cabaret mm -hmm. that Ruby Manger at the uh, 54 below. It's incredible. Her character work. She's not only an amazing writer, but she's also an incredible performer. Also many, many years ago, there was a not Britney, very Britney musical before once upon a one more time and everything else um, where she starred as Britney and was incredible. I've seen some YouTube videos, but yeah, like Julia's just such an amazing talent. And when I saw that their names were attached, I was like, Holy shit, they got the team to do this. So um, I'm really hyped, obviously, but um, yeah, it just it just makes sense that you would get incredible comedy writers. You can also find their stuff on audible.com um, and their app because uh, they they did a, a radio show as well. So, yeah. Yeah, great stuff. So let's stick in Chicago with something that is much less exciting because we found out yesterday that the Tony winning Steppenwolf Theater Company is the latest American regional theater that has been forced to make not only budget cuts, but staffing cuts, uh, dealing with all of the struggles, both economic and subscriber coming out of the pandemic and all of the shutdowns. According to a statement released by Steppenwolf, the company has laid off 12% of its staff, which amounts to 13 current employees. The theater is also eliminating seven open positions, so it is effectively losing 20 people slash positions. 
executive director Brooke Flanagan cited a, quote, protracted post-pandemic economic recovery and, quote, the rising cost of inflation as the reason behind these difficult moves. Grace, we've seen this across the country. This is by far uh, not the first one. Also in Chicago, Looking Glass Theater, we've seen it happen at BAM, at Center Theater Group, even the public theater off-Broadway. Like, this is happening all over the country. And as you and I have talked quite a bit here recently about the economic conditions on Broadway and in New York City, they're probably even more perilous for major regional theaters across the country that have relied so much not on not only on government funding, but subscribers, subscribers and donations. And that's just not nearly as bankable right now as it was pre-pandemic for a lot of reasons. And it's understandable, but it's really hurting regional theaters to a degree that I don't know that people who are more New York theater focused are realizing at this point. Yeah, I mean, it's all a funnel, right? I'm so nervous. I famously got to see The Steppenwolf, I guess, two years ago now for the first time. Um, And I just love and respect that place so much. So I'm hopeful that things turn around, but obviously they're not uh, in the near future. And we're just seeing fall after fall of these really, I mean, some of the the largest institutions like that, you know, I mean, when you think of when you think of Chicago, you think of Steppenwolf, you think of the Goodman Theater, you think of Broadway in Chicago, like you think about all of these massive institutions that help inform what actually happens in New York City. Like, to be frank, like we're the last people on Broadway to find a lot of this developing art. So it's very important that we keep these institutions well-funded because that is how we get the the trickle effect of everything else. So um, I'm, I'm hopeful things get better. Yikes. Yeah, yikes indeed. Well, we've got another industry reading developmental thing that I wanted to talk about real quick. It's a new musical called The Show on the Roof. It originally had its world premiere production at the Boise Contemporary Theater last year. It's set in Boise, Idaho, so that makes sense. Um, but it's the, this new musical has a book by Tom Ford and has songs by Alex Syke. It will receive a private industry reading on September 11th. The cast features both the writers, Tom Ford and Alex Syek. Lucas Dixon, Caitlin Houlihan, Jillian Cates, the great Terrence Mann, who, Grace, you now know was in the film version of A Chorus Line, Colton Ryan, Marguerite Stimson, uh, and um, it is directed by Rory Pelsu. The new work explores the Lavender Scare, which was a mid-20th century ginned-up faux moral panic over homosexuality um, that centers on a defunct drive-in restaurant in Boise, Idaho, and the societal and political pressures that shut it down. Sounds great. Look forward to it. I hope we hear more from that. Anything Terrence Mann is involved with, I will certainly be excited to see. Um, One other bit of casting news here, Grace. They announced the complete cast for the upcoming national tour of Girl from the North Country. The tour is getting ready to head out. It will start at the Orpheum Theater in Minneapolis, Minnesota, which is appropriate because that is the major city near where Bob Dylan is from. It will kick off on October 8th. It is playing 25 cities throughout the season. It is coming to Tampa, I think. I think it's the closest to where I'm going to be. They announced the entire cast. There aren't any major names in the cast, but if you want to check this out, I will have the link in the show notes. This was a show that was fairly divisive. Like I think people were underwhelmed with it in, in a way that I understood, but I, I really enjoyed it. I especially love the album out of London, probably more so than the Broadway version, but I'm looking forward to heading over to Tampa and and checking it out. All right, Grace, the last thing that we're going to talk about today is a recommendation, and that is the new cast album for the upcoming Barry Manilow and Bruce Sussman Broadway musical Harmony. It is available now to buy or stream anywhere that you get your music. 
We've talked recently about the fact that the show will begin performances at the Barrymore Theater on October 18th. Grace, you have seen it. I have I have not, and I have not yet listened to the album. I've heard the little clips that they've put out and stuff. But if you could summarize the style of music that they will hear in this show, how would you do that? Oh, gosh. That's a really good question. I actually think this is an homage to older Broadway musicals, not new musicals that are, you know, it's a love letter to old musical. Like it actually feels like an older musical, which is kind of lovely. I mean that in like the most beautiful nostalgic way. That's no slight at all. No, um, also, also the show is 25 years old and it's just not correct. having its Broadway debut. So it kind of is an old Broadway musical, even though it's yeah. just coming to Broadway. And they've, but they've, I mean, they've been, te- you I know, know I tinkering know, I with know. it for years, but like to that point though, Bruce and Barry have been writing for decades and decades and decades. It's a lovely piece. I think if you're a fan also of like old school acapella, that is a big part of the story here. But yeah, you've got Fierce Sierra, like you've got Chip. I mean, it's 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 lovely. I will say if if this exists, can the Pebble and the Penguin musical exist? Barry and Bruce, if you're listening, um, I really would oh, like that. I don't that. know about that one. Oh my God. God, how you got, okay, I don't know where it's streaming, but the Pebble and the Penguin, um, just for everyone's not. Oh, I know what you're talking um, about. Oh, great, great, great. I just um, didn't know there I was just, a musical version. No, I need it to be, is, is oh, what I'm saying. Oh, okay. They did write the music for that, but I, I think that there needs to be more, and I would like to develop it, and I would like to either be a Pebble or be a Penguin. I don't really care, but I think that that's also the content that I'm looking from these two, but other than that. Yeah, it, the guys are lovely. They sing the shit out of this stuff. I think it's it's a beautiful album, and I think it's a great piece of hype right before they're moving into the Barrymore Theater. The Pebble and the Penguin was a 1995 animated film that featured the voice talents of Martin yep. Short, Annie Golden, yep. Jim Belushi, and Tim Curry. <laughs> so great. Now, here's the thing. Barry Manilow wrote the music with Mark Waters, not with Bruce Sussman. So, not with Bruce. Yeah. So still, uh, let's see if Harmony's a hit. Let's see if we can get uh, get some development on this. All right, that's all that we have for today. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram and everywhere else at BWW. Matt Grace, where can people find you? You can find me on all social media platforms at It's Grace Aki. And I do want to say that Bruce Sussman is credited on the album as a, I think, singer for oh. Pebble and the Penguin. So it is a Barry and Bruce project. Yes, right. I know my Bruce's. You know I do. <laughs> yes, you do. Sharks, fathers, music oh writers. My. You know them all. <laughs> all right, everybody. We will not have it today on Broadway on Monday, but I told you we will have a couple episodes in your feeds to give you some entertainment and some information. So have a wonderful holiday weekend, and we'll be back to talk to you on Tuesday. 